So we only launched our YouTube channel about four months ago. So it's a fairly new project. We've talked about it since last year. Originally, what happened was during 2020, obviously it was a really challenging time for parents and kids. And we kept getting this, you know, people would be, you two are so lucky. You don't have to worry about X. You don't have to worry about Y. You don't have to worry about C. And we always find that comment to be so interesting because we're child-free by choice. So it wasn't luck that brought us here. It was a decision and a decision that took quite a bit of time to make and a choice and a lifestyle that we chose. So we really just started to have a lot of conversations about what child-free life looks like for us, not obviously just during the pandemic, but in general. And I really started to diving into the research because I'm 45 now. And I figured that I had so much pressure and judgment and criticism during my 20s and my 30s. But my assumption, which is, you know, assumptions are not necessarily correct. And we talk about them in our videos as well. My assumption was that this wasn't it wasn't looked at, that times had changed, right? Because there's so much acceptance with people's choices. So I assume there is no way that women, people, couples can still be feeling the pressure and the criticism for not having children. It has to have changed. It has to be more accepted. And the more that I dove in, the more that I read blogs and books and stories and heard what people had to say, it made me realize that although decades had passed, not a lot had changed when it comes to that, especially globally. And it's also, it, you know, I thought it was going to be geographic as well. I thought big cities, people who live in big cities, everything is so much more accepting, but that's not necessarily the case. So Rick and I were talking about, okay, I think we want to get involved in this conversation. And what we want to do is advocate for choice. We're not trying to advocate for this lifestyle. We're advocating for choice. And what can we bring to the table? And what we could bring to the table is to show people, I'm 45, he's almost 50, what our life looks like at this point with no regrets, with lots of fulfillment and lots of joy. And we thought that would be really beneficial because when we were in our 20s and 30s, there was no one that we could look at and say, oh, that's really interesting. That's where they are in their journey. So we decided to launch a child-free connection. You mentioned the child-free connection. What is it? So the goal is to bring about more awareness as to this kind of lifestyle. Yeah, it's also, it's to, it's to bring awareness. It's also to connect people. And obviously, because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to do as much as we want to do as far as the connection part, because I think a lot of people are a little bit tired of the virtual experience and they're ready to get together physically. The number one pain point that we see in this community is that they don't have other child-free friends. So it becomes really challenging, especially in your late 20s, early 30s, when all your friends start having kids, you tend to get, um, you're not really in that circle. You're not getting invited to the birthday parties. You're not getting invited to the get-togethers because you don't have kids. So people feel very alone. So we wanted people to feel less alone. And we thought, let's start growing this community. And as the community grows, we do have a lot of plans on how to bring everyone together, which we're not ready to talk about it yet because there's so many options and we're trying to focus on the best one. But connection and making people feel not alone was one of our priorities. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, for, even for, for me, I'm 38 and I don't have children. And it's not because I don't want to have children. It's just because I haven't gotten to the point where I feel like that's an option for me. Um, but I can, I can see how different the people are when you become a parent you are almost like immediately categorized and put into this um kind of group of people and you have to adopt you know because it's kind of like it's a it's an instinctive thing you adopt a, a different way of looking at the world you're no longer thinking about just you you've got to think about what the best is child 
And so it kind of puts you down this path and me being single and, oh, well, not single anymore. I just got into a relationship, but me having that being single, not having any children, um, and 38 years old, mixing has really started to change over the last five years or so where I've met more and more parents at my age. And I just don't know how to connect with them because we don't have the same, uh, interests. It's funny. I, I mean, this is just one minor observation, but I think it's quite funny. I, I usually, when I was, you know, in my, my twenties, my early thirties, when I would meet someone, usually they wouldn't have kids, uh, if they were by age and we would just talk and it would be fine. Um, we would, we would have a good connection. And then as soon as I started getting mixing with more parents, I started to notice little changes in interaction. Yeah. Like they would be half there and half not there. Cause their brain is also thinking about like the kid it, and it's, it's so, so it's a striking difference. So I, I can get the, the whole community thing. I think that's, that means a lot. It is. It is. And people feel, we actually did a video on this on, will you lose your friendships when they start having kids? And the thing is that I completely understand. I understand that once you have a child, you have different priorities. You have a different focus. So if, even if we get to the point where we can actually have a brunch, which probably took three or six months to plan <laughs> to get together, you're phone is, you know, you're getting text messages, you're getting phone calls, you have a limited window of time because you have to pick somebody up, you have to drop somebody off. So the lifestyle is so different between the two that, that the connection tends to absolutely be disrupted. It's just, it just happens. But what is good, what I have found is now that most of my friends have children that are not young they're teenagers they're either in high school or they're off to college the friendships that really matter the ones that that love you no matter what it do come back and they do start because it's now they have the time and now they have time to just not talk about their children but they have time to focus on other things and and it can be sad for some people to lose their friends. So that's when they, like you just mentioned, absolutely start looking elsewhere for a community that can relate to their current lifestyle. Mm, right. Yes. Um, and I, and I, I'm already thinking ahead and I, I, you know, I wonder what are the reasons for you specifically that, um, mean, you know, you'd rather not have children. And also what kind of experiences have you had with the people around you while you were explaining yourself, let's say, because like you said, it's not, it hasn't been a normal thing, uh, you know, and we can understand that, right? I mean, we're talking about essentially the next generation of humans. And I think every human has a, a stake in that. So that's why I probably see a lot of um, judgment calls from people uh, who aren't even in your own family. But yeah, tell me a little bit more about or fa or in your family actually. That's actually quite the awesome moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm interested in how your parents have, uh, you know, if they're still around or not, how they had dealt with that so far. I got quite a lot of pressure from my family to have children, and to be completely honest, one of the reasons that I was not a hundred percent sure that about the about launching the child free connection is because I still felt that, you know, I still at 45 years old, I still felt that twing of shame of, you know, them telling me why haven't you had a kid? This is how you're gonna find true love. You're going to regret it. All these comments that came at me pretty much my whole life. So so I'm very familiar, which is why I, I can so openly and so honestly talk about it because I'm so familiar with those comments and that pressure and that criticism. My main, um, the main reason that I decided not to have kids definitely for me personally was lack of desire. I just didn't, I wasn't that child that was playing with baby dolls and dressing them and trying to 
play mom. I didn't foresee myself. I wasn't excited to be pregnant. I wasn't excited. When I envisioned my life, it wasn't with having kids around me. And it doesn't mean that I hate kids. I actually, a lot of people don't like kids, by the way, and that's perfectly okay. I happen to like kids. I love my niece and my nephew so much. They are such a big part of my life. I love my friend's children. I'm actually super motherly, which is which people find to be odd sometimes, but I'm just a mama bear by nature. I'm very caring. I like to take care of people. If you're sick, you definitely want me around because you're going to be taken care of so well. And that's just who I am by nature. But just because I'm motherly doesn't mean that I necessarily have to have my own kids. Um, it was just something that I realized wasn't for me. It wasn't something that I was pulled towards. It wasn't something that I felt that I needed to have in my life for complete joy and fulfillment. But on top of that, because when I was in my 20s, lack of desire wasn't really an accepted reason. And you sh and I feel that people definitely do not need to list out their reasons of why they're not having kids, especially if they're not comfortable with it. They can, That's just who they want to be in the lifestyle tools that they want to have. But when I was younger, it was questioned so much. So I happen to be a very analytical person. I do a lot of research. And I, for myself, had to really list out all my reasons. I wanted my time. Freedom was important to me. The ability to be spontaneous was important to me finances were important to me. I did this whole, I had this notebook where I broke down how much children cost, how much high school was, college. It, it, I just really dove into it deep. And for me, the only reason I did, did that, and again, nobody needs to do that, but I did that because I wanted people to understand that this is this was a decision that was really thought through, at least for me. Some people actually know, and we get some of our audience members giving us messages from the time they're kids, they already know. From the time they're 10, they know. 18, they know. 20, they know. So it's just not in them to become parents from, and it's so clear. So there's really no decision-making process. There's really no need to build a list because they just know from day one, which is really interesting as well. You know, there's a lot of, I guess, parallel social issues that are happening right now uh, around the, the basis of like individualism and freedom of choice. You know, we, I, and I, I don't need to, you know, or want to make this conversation about those things, but there are parallels to the, um, the whole abortion, uh, which I think I can understand why it's still an issue. Although I personally feel like in this day and age, um, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, and also, you know, to other social, uh, uh, you know, kind of movements that are happening right now where people want the ability to be able to choose what is best for them. And, and so I, I totally understand this and it's, it bring it brings into question, um, you know, a, a, a lot of things. I think the first thing it brings into question for me is, and I was thinking about this while you were explaining all of that is, is this the first time in the history of the human race where we are actually making these decisions consciously? Because like you said, prior to this generation, our generation, rather, um, I'm 38, more or less our generation, right? It's kind of like, it was just a way of life. It wasn't even a question. It was an assumption. You meet somebody, you get married, you buy the house, you have the baby. There's all these steps lined up for you, even with work, right? Work has changed so much. Before, if you switched jobs, it was frowned upon. You know, you wanted to get that 30, 40, 50 year gold watch or whatever it is that they gave people back in the day for being in a company for so long. And now people want to be on their laptops traveling the world. So it definitely has changed greatly. And you're absolutely correct. That was set up for us. So I never 
it was never presented to me as a choice. I knew inside that it's not what I wanted, but it wasn't because it was society had presented it to me as an option. You can be a parent or you cannot. It's completely up to you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see an issue with it at all. I think that it's really, you know, something that is not going to uh, harm other, one, other people in any way. Mm-hmm. Another parallel you kind of could make is the whole gender uh, dysphoria mm-hmm. conversation. And I see that as a different, having different uh, implica- uh, implications, right? So if you're, you, you, may, you may say, oh, uh, so people already know, there are people who already know that they're, you know, female at the age of 10 when they're male. Absolutely. However, with that whole argument, there is a physical component to it that is irreversible. And so if they do make a, a mistake and they weren't entirely sure when they thought they were, then that has serious implications later in life. So that's a really, um, very important decision to make. I think, whereas with, uh, you know, your own children, yes, you, you could change your mind. Absolutely. 100%. That's my own opinion, by the way, I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You definitely change your mind and it may be too late for you, but it, you know, I do not see that it's um, as, I guess, damaging as changing your gender physically at the age of 10. So, Yeah, and also, yeah, and it's also important to note that, I mean, people can just Google it because there's so much information out there, that for some reason there is a correlation between choosing to be child-free and changing your mind, but there's not a correlation between parenting and changing your mind. And there is quite a bit of data out there that shows show parents have regretted their decision to have children. But for some reason that's not spoken about, and I guess the obvious reason is because people are going to be judging you if you're saying you're not really thrilled about having your kids. Right. So it's taken some time for people to come forward and to feel comfortable about it. But what's interesting is I spoke to a family therapist a couple of weeks ago who works specifically with, specifically with parents. And she was telling me that one of the main problems that people have about raising their kids when they're really struggling is that she has this conversation with them in the beginning and they say to her, I didn't really want to have a baby, but so-and-so, you know, my mother wanted grandkids. My partner really wanted kids. So it's, it's really interesting to look at it that way because regret and changing your mind can really be a part of both stories. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, the devil's advocate approach that I would take to that statement is I think there's a lot of things in life that we don't want, but then at the end, Day, we find out it's kind of what made us grubble or what took us to a, a new level of living that we previously just couldn't understand. We couldn't even fathom it. And so I think there's definitely a good argument there to say, well, it may be in your best interest to do it, even if it's not what you want right now. However, I can also see again, coming back to the whole individualism and maybe it's the first time in the history of our race. Again, I don't know. I would love to know this. So I might do some research after, but I think even in the, the times of, of opulence in history, like the Roman empire, for example, I, I believe that having a kid was just the way it was going to be like many kids actually even. Right. Uh, but I, I think it's possible, and I don't know what your thoughts are about this, but I think it's possible that we've reached a stage where, you know, the choice really should be yours. Like you, you know, we don't, we don't struggle from that anymore. We're actually overpopulated. The planet is arguably suffering because of the resources that the human race is uh, consuming at an ever-growing rate. I can't remember what the statistics are, but you know, by 2050. We're going to have a, a much bigger um, population globally, and that will be an issue uh, going into the future. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but I- yeah, I think it's interesting because 
I've talked to quite a few people who are child-free by circumstance, not by choice. And that's a completely different journey in itself. But what I find interesting is that, at least the conclusion that I've come to, is that it really, it's really about our source of joy and what we're taught that our source of joy is. So sometimes a couple or a person might find, find that their source of joy is having children. And once they find out that that's not available to them, it does. And I can completely understand how that could feel so draining and that there's not going to be any other type of of joy coming your way. And I think that people feel that about relationships. Like they can't find joy until they're in a relationship or they're not going to find joy until they're, they work their way up and they're CEO of their company. So there's different forms of joy for everyone. But the people that I've talked to that are ch- child-free from circumstance have, have found that they were putting all their joy eggs in that basket. And then once that basket was no longer available to them, they had to go through this journey within because joy really lives within us, right? And see that there's actually other parts of their life where they can find joy. And that's where their healing has begun. And I think that's really just an important thing to note as well, that that joy means different things for all of us. And it's just not one source. Right. That's a very good point to make. Um, I have been running this through my mind as you've been discussing that. Uh, and I want to ask you about what you think of the possibility that we are in a, a, a bubble in time where we are potentially sowing the seeds of a future issue, if we're not careful, of just maybe drawing ourselves more into individualism. And and look, this is a pretty deep topic, but it's something that I really try to understand because it's so difficult to see it for what it might be right now because we're in it and we can't see the bigger picture easily. But I have noticed that there is a a move towards more liberal progressive ideologies across the globe, uh, you know, where arguably it's good because people have more, uh, I guess are supposed to have more freedoms and rights, although that might not necessarily be what's happening, but the goal is for to have more individual freedom and rights. Whereas traditionally we've kind of functioned more as a, co- a community and, uh, And that meant more conservative values where, you know, we would put the values of the community or the importance of the community before ourselves. Like you, like you've kind of touched on, it's the whole, Hey, you do your part, you know, you have your kids, you, uh, raise your home, right. And you, you know, be part of the community system. Um, so, but, but, but the reason why I bring it up as a bubble is because I think, I think it's really interesting to see how just how much we've moved from one side to the other and how quickly we've moved from one side to the other. And I think it's causing a lot of friction with the systems that are in place, like the government and the institutions and the, uh, just a general culture. It's, uh, it's just a huge shift. Um, and I think it's bringing with it a lot of problems too. And we're, we're becoming very divisive now where we're kind of like fighting each other over these principles and the but do you think this is just a bubble in time? Do you think that it's kind of going to, do you think that people like yourself are a product of society at large? Like for example, you, you know, you kind of settle into the, the freedom of choice, uh, because that's what you've kind of grown to, to, to see as, as the world, whereas generations before maybe didn't even look at it that way. They were just like, this is what I got to do. This is life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a big part of what you just said has to do with the idea of being selfish and the idea of being, um, of, of having self-love and self-care 
being packaged into the world selfish and being and turning selfish into a negative personality trait for so long, I think is definitely really meaningful because taking care of yourself, your mentally, spiritually, um, just doing your best to provide yourself with growth and self-help and introspection, in my opinion, is huge and should not be seen as something negative and should not be seen as something outside of the norm, outside of what you should be doing. Because I think that having the freedom to look within is what was lacking before, just like you said, because everybody was following this cookie cutter way of doing things. And you weren't really given the autonomy to dive into yourself. Do I want to get married? Do I want to be a homeowner? Do I want to sit behind a desk all day? Do I want to have children? And and that's part of being selfish. It's part of being like, what is going to bring me what I need out of life? And that was seen as such a negative trait for so long. And I think that that shift is really meaningful. And it's it's something when people start to think about themselves and be proud that you've spent this time thinking about yourself and what's best for you is is really what's what's foundationally making a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Arguably, you could say that by giving yourself that space to explore the universe for whatever it's worth, right? Um, and, and, and not have to devote those important resources that you have, time, energy, money, to someone else or some other huge responsibility opens you up to give so much more of who you are and what you're able to bring to the world. A hundred percent. And so much of our audience, it's interesting because although they don't have their own children, they're very much involved with children, either by being teachers, by being volunteers, by just working with children, therapists, just working with children in different ways. And I think it's really beneficial for children to have child-free people in their lives because they're not having these conversations under the parental umbrella. They're able to, I mean, even with my own nieces, my own niece and nephew, I'm able to have different conversations that they can have with their parents. And and that's crucial and that's really beneficial to to children as well. Mm. Although I must say as well that the argument can be made, which is why I said argue at the beginning, that by having that responsibility, all of a sudden you're catapulted to another level of goals and achievements. And, um, you know, you hear it over and over again, at least I have, that the whole... The, just the fact of knowing that you're going to be a dad or a mother is almost like a call to action. It's like, okay, I've got to get everything ready now. I've got to put, you know, get my shit together and focus. And so there's, there's different ways of looking at this, but you know, if you are the kind of person who has a direction, who has clarity, knows what they want and decides not to have kids, arguably that is freeing you up to do so much more. I know people who, uh, for, uh, you know, I, I love these people. I respect them greatly. I, and, and, and I, I just get this feeling based on the experiences that I've had with them and who I know them to be that they choose not to have children because they're simply, they're simply not open to the idea of the challenge. They, they, they want to relax. They want to, and, and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But I think that is, uh, is, is another, uh, another outcome of this is that you, you know, with it, without that clarity and that purpose, you know, it's, it's really just a sandbox for just relaxing and being, you know, free to do whatever you want. And I can see why the collect, the, the community, the community, uh, kind of right, politically right people would say that that's selfish, uh, you know, in a, in a negative way. 
Right. I mean, it depends, right? It depends. Everyone's so individualistic in their in what they decide to do with their time, but the sense of wanting to avoid responsibility, I actually have a real issue with because it basically is saying that responsibility by is is measured by taking care of children and raising them and not by you know there's a slew of other things for example a lot of our audience is taking care of elderly family members um they're taking care of very ill siblings um they have very high pressure jobs they have pets they have the sense of responsibility is actually at a such an overwhelming level that adding to that doesn't feel like something they want to do. So it is very individualistic because you can also argue that uh, a couple that has children but is wealthy enough to have all the childcare and full-time nannies that they want also may not be taking on the responsibility of raising their kids um, and leaving it up to somebody else to do. So, you know, this it, it, it's really, it depends. It really depends on each person. Seems like a cookie cutter response, I guess, just like many other subjects and topics receive cookie cutter responses as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, you have to be really thinking about this topic and and another reason that we launched a Chop Free Connection is because we wanted to hear from our audience and the individual stories are what really take us deeper into, into this topic because we learn about... It makes it real. Yeah, it makes it real. And, it's, and the things that we've heard are some th- things that we haven't, would never even cross our minds. Um, People being completely shunned from their families because they've opted out of parenthood. The parents aren't even talking to them or their siblings aren't talking to them. Um, How's your relationship with your family? Oh, I have a good relationship with my family now. They, they've accepted it. And it's actually ironic because my mom now is at the point where she, where she completely, she'll be like, I get it. You know, I, I, I get it now. You know, it's, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of financial pressure. Um, so she's definitely at that point, my, I think my sister and my brother-in-law, they definitely, I'm 45 now. So the pressure has subsided. Absolutely. But I moved from, cause I think between 40 and 45, I mean, the pressure was so great in my twenties and thirties, but between 40 and 45, I, I was getting the, it's not too late because more and more women are having children between 40 and 45 now. So I was getting that. Now that I'm crossing over into the 45 and 50 range, I don't get, it's not too late, but I'll get, well, you can always adopt. And it's really interesting to me because those comments to me seem like I have a problem that I need someone to solve. (laughs) You know, like you're offering these solutions to my problem. And, and, uh, I just find that to be quite interesting and don't get me wrong. I'm adoption. I think is beautiful and something great and I'm all for it, but it's just interesting, right? That now that's what I moved into. And I talked to someone who's in their seventies, who's child free. And this is something I had never thought of. And, um, she tells me, people tell her, oh, you're missing out on the grandkid experience. So even though she feels super fulfilled and happy in her life, she said that as we get older, every stage, just the comments change. They remain, but the actual comment just changes. So it's, it's interesting. You know, you'd think, uh, uh, you'd think in this uh, global situation with the overpopulation that I mentioned, that this would be something that is actually welcomed <laughs> rather than kind of shunned. And I, um, there, there, there are there are situations where limiting or not having children enough will put, you know, entire nations at risk. I'll just mention a couple. Japan had that issue for a while and still, I guess they still have that issue actually, where people just weren't having kids. And I think it all really boiled down to the uh, economy was 
stable. And uh, there's a correlation between poverty and the number of kids. If you didn't know that, like, uh, and if people are, are who, list, who are listening didn't know that, you know, generally speaking, the poorer you are, the more children you're going to have. Um, and the, the proposed reason for that, the most popular one is that there's less chance that some of them are going to survive. So you want to make sure that there's some kids that carry your genes through. Um, but so what we're seeing is with the more, uh, with the more financially well-off nations, there's less children per household. And Japan had an issue with that and still has an issue with that. There is a developing situation in China, uh, which is going to potentially put them at a huge disadvantage economically, whereby the one child policy that was practiced for quite a while had actually reduced the number of, uh, 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 you know, family members and, um, has put them in a position where they're now really trying to encourage families to have more kids. So it, it, I think that's an extreme because, you know, extreme way of looking at things, uh, the Chinese situation, because that was a, an, an imposed law. That was a rule that was put in place. It was like, you know, either do this or get fined. Um, but, but it's so it's just, but it's interesting to me though, that we're still looking at this as something that we want to judge negatively. And you're right. Coming back full circle to what you were saying is we don't think about these things enough. I think critical thinking is just always, we always come back to critical thinking as being that skill that is just in dire need, um, because we're so emotional, right? Human beings, we're so emotional and it, and, and we let those emotions govern how we make decisions, which is why perhaps the world is in such a terrible, you know, in many ways in such a terrible state. But if we were to just be able to practice those critical thinking skills and, and work on those critical thinking skills, I think we might come to much different conclusions. I agree 100%. I think critical thinking is key. And I also think that a big factor is empathy. And that's something that is lacking um, throughout, not just with this topic, obviously, with so many things, because I can understand how a parent who has a child and is so head over heels with their child, with their children, cannot fathom the idea of not having them in their lives. So when, when they are talking to someone else who's choosing to opt out of that experience, it just, it can't connect, right? Because they're in it. Their heart, their soul, their mind is in it. So I don't necessarily think that it's always coming from a bad place. I think that in their minds, they're like, how could you possibly miss out on what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing? But it's hard for them to understand when someone else perhaps never wanted that or perhaps has trauma to heal on their own that they don't want to be in that situation or a slew of other reasons. So I think empathy could really help with the issue of divisiveness between child-free and parenting. And I think that we're also, I mean, we've had some negative comments from parents that even though we're, we're so clear in our messaging, in our social media, in our YouTube channel, whenever we speak that we're not anti-parents, we don't hate kids, we're not trying to convince people to, to make the decision not to have them. That's absolutely not what we're about. Even though we say that over and over constantly in all our messaging, we'll still get parents upset because they feel that we're against them, that we're trying to get people to not have kids. And I actually just had a message from, from, from um, one of our followers. She sent me a DM that one of her friends, they've been friends for 20 years. And this person um, who sent me the message was sharing some of our social media posts in her story. And her friend of 20 years reached out to her and said, 
she feels very attacked and she no longer wants to be friends with her. <laughs> and and it's so interesting that attack word is so interesting and that really has to just deal has to do with divisiveness, right? Because we're taught pick a side and stick to that side and defend that side no matter what. And if somebody's not on your side, it must mean that they're against you. And I just find that whole dynamic so interesting because even if you're clear, if you repeat yourself, people are, parents are going, some parents are going to feel attacked. And that's really something I've been thinking about a lot and really diving into. I just find it really fascinating. Well, I mean, if you, if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. It's one of the sayings, uh, there's always going to be someone who is upset with the way that you live <laughs> because they identify so greatly with their way of life or their views or ideologies. And that is essentially the problem, isn't it? Behind a um, political divide. It's, uh, it's, well, if you don't believe what I believe, then you're against me and you're or you're taking something from me. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's actually really, it's something that I've experienced too. Uh, and, and I've learned, I'm learning somehow to deal with it. You said that you've, you're fascinated by the whole thing. So it means that you're probably very open-minded to an empath empathetic towards people like that and trying to understand how to deal with it. I try to understand how to deal with it too. You know, we haven't actually had a ton of negative messages, not like, you know, cause you're taking a very solid stance here on a controversial subject, whereas I like touch on controversial subjects, but not make it our identity. Um, but it, it is, it's something that if we're going to evolve, and I think this is a really important thing to take into consideration. If the human race is going to evolve, the irony is in this particular niche of this issue, the irony is that it's not going to be whether or not we want to have kids or not. That's not the issue of whether we're going to actually be able to advance as a human. Because I truly believe more people want to have kids than people who don't want to have kids. I think we are biologically geared towards just wanting to replicate. That's obvious. However, so therefore, I don't think it's ever going to be an issue. If we give people the option openly to just choose, I don't think we're ever going to have an issue with not being able to advance as a civilization. However, I think there is a real risk in us being able to do that if we're not able to empathize and see people's uh, perspectives and not feel threatened and attacked. I think triggered and attacked are two maybe aspects of the same problem that we're currently experiencing, which is I mean, how would I, how would I even summarize this? It, it's, it seems to be a, it seems to be a lack of responsibility to take a step inward and confront the things that make us the most scared, the things that fear that we fear the most. Those are usually the things that drive these defensive behaviors. And these victimization kind of beliefs that, oh, it's up to someone else to make me feel better. It's up to someone else to craft this world in which I live. Um, otherwise, what am I going to do about it? So I don't know what you think about all of that, but I, I just thought it was interesting how the irony is that in this particular subject, the issue isn't with giving people the option to choose whether they want to have kids or not. The issue, it really is, uh, I think, more to do with our ability to get along with each other, essentially. Absolutely. And, and there's so many examples of experiences that people have where, where they're, they're put in a position where the other people, the other person is refusing to have empathy, to understand their choice, to open themselves up for something different. Um, another example, recently we had someone reach out to us because, um, they decided to be child-free by choice. Her parents will not accept it. She's married, will not accept it at all. And she recently was 
diagnosed with ovarian cancer and her parents told her that God is punishing her for choosing not to have children. And that was really powerful to me because, and those messages really mean a lot to me because it just motivates us to keep talking and to keep educating and to keep advocating and to keep having these conversations because at no point, obviously, should anybody be feeling feeling less than because of this choice. And sometimes, and 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 we get messages from people as well saying, nobody cares about this. Everyone, everyone can do what they want to do. There's no way that people can actually be saying these things. Um, and it's because they don't experience it themselves. But when we get these types of messages of people having these real life painful moments based on a decision that they've made to opt out of children, it really shines a light on how prevalent it is and how important it is to understand this lifestyle. And and it also comes back to what we were talking about earlier, the sense of community, because one of the things that she said was that she feels so heard and seen and understood by the people by our account and the people that comment on it and it's 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 unfortunate what people are experiencing right now but hopefully um things will change as time goes on yeah it's just so sad to hear that your own family would say something like that to you it's heartbreaking. I, I I spent a couple of weeks. I couldn't. We were gonna we, we were gonna do a quick video on it, which we ended up posting on on social media because I I couldn't even talk about it because I cried <laughs> every time I talked about it. So it took me a, a couple of weeks to just be able to like ground myself enough to tell the story um, on social media. And what we did was what Rick and I did was we were like, what can we do? you know, there's very little we can do. So we just did a video and we told her story and we said, you know, if you want to comment below, if you want to show any support, if you want to, you know, drop a heart, whatever you want to do. And the community came forward, flooded forward with support for her. And she was, you know, she sent us a message, which I haven't actually shared. I just got it yesterday um, of how during her, chemotherapy treatments she's reading all these messages from our community and it's just making her feel so much better because unfortunately she's not getting the support that she needs from her family right now mm. it's uh shocking to me you know the i'm not gonna say this is the reason obviously I, but the way that i understand health there is a real good chance that that was actually manifestation of just that stress of just the constant onslaught of, you know, I mean, the, the, what the body works in, in very interesting ways. And a lot of our health is to do with our environment and, and our thoughts and, and what we're feeding ourselves, you know, not just, uh, physically, but also mentally and emotionally. So I wouldn't be surprised. And, and it's so sad and unfortunate, but I, you know, good, good luck to her. I, I wish her the best. I hope that she can put herself in a situation and an environment and at least have people around her that are going to be supportive. Because it's, it's so essential. Um, we hear about this sometimes, you know, from maybe spirit, spiritual or personal development, um, teachers who, who say, you know, you gotta manufacture an environment where the people around you are not leading you to feel worse. They're actually picking you up and pulling you up and making you feel like you're more of a person, more capable, more able. And you've got something of value to offer. And I think family is one of those things that is a very difficult ingredient in that because you can't easily get rid of your family and not, nor do you necessarily want to, but there's situations where you definitely should set boundaries, right? And this is maybe a good example of that because that doesn't sound healthy at all. Absolutely. I agree with you. And this also goes back to the idea of community because we do get messages from parents saying this is you know this account is dumb who cares what you just want to talk about the fact that you can 
go to brunch, you know, that you can do this, that you can do that. And it's really, I, I've thought about this so much. It's so interesting to me how, how some parents will see this as wasteful or as dumb or as a problem. But if you really think about it, there are millions, millions of parenting websites, mommy blogs, shows, um, you know, social media accounts that are for parents to support one another during different stages of their parenting journey. And my answer back to them is, why is that okay? And us talking about our lifestyle, not okay, or dumb, or or a waste of time, or a waste of a social media account. So that really, and a lot of times I don't get an answer back when I, when I, when I, because it's, it's, it's just baffling to me. And another thing that I tell people is that there is a difference. We talk about celebration of child-free life. That's part of our core mission. And sometimes child-free living is seen as quote-unquote bragging, right? Because I have the time to sleep in. I have the time to go to brunch. I have the time to get a massage, to focus on myself, to read a book and lay on the couch and do all these things. And I'm confused as to why that's bragging because that's actually a reality of our lives and that we're just celebrating. Just like parents celebrate, how many times have we seen a baby bump, you know, from the time the the woman becomes pregnant to nine months? We've seen every week, right? We will get an update. How many times do we see for kids first walk first meal first apple first this first that that's why is that not bragging you know why is that seen as celebration and that's something i've thought about extensively as well because we should all be celebrating our choices and not putting a label on someone else's celebration so i encourage our audience all the time to not feel that you're bragging, you're actually just celebrating something that you took quite a bit perhaps to to choose. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that. I think uh, it reminds me of the comments that I made in a group on WhatsApp with friends that I uh, met in university. And they're all married now. Uh, most of them have kids. I think there's like one couple that doesn't have kids in that group and I'm, uh, apart from me and I'm, I'm making these comments about me going to this country and I'm meeting these people and I'm dating and I'm having fun. And I didn't honestly just genuinely didn't think about it before I published. Yeah. You're sharing your reality. Right. Exactly. So, but then I, I got some pretty unsavory comments and remarks and, and it dawned on me, uh, Oh, they're being passive aggressive because they're married and they have kids and they don't do this stuff anymore. And these are guys, right? So me talking about going on a date with this woman here and a date with another woman here. Yeah. It's probably going to feel, I would say, uh, it's probably going to bring out emotions that maybe are no longer welcome. And, uh, and yeah, I can, I can, I understand it. I get it. It's difficult. It's so difficult to be open-minded enough to be be all right and supportive of that when you're going through you know maybe a shit storm with a, a young child and you're waking up every night and you're having problems in your relationship because there's not there's no passion anymore or you know what i mean these are real adult problems and they require a lot of work and patience and you get frustrated and angry so i, I just wanted to share that because it's it's funny you mentioned it there it's very difficult to get to that point where you're like, yeah, you go for it, you know, enjoy your life. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Just because the lifestyles are so different, you know, I, I actually talk quite a bit about Rick and I work on our relationship a lot. And when we have a problem, we really have to 
dissect it and dig into it. And if we can't figure it out, we bring in our couples therapists. Like we, we have this time to, to talk about, okay, something's wrong here and we can't either, we can't figure it out or we need to do something different or something needs to shift. And that takes quite a bit of time and effort and energy. And that's something that we feel very grateful for that because of our lifestyle, we have that time and that energy to put into our relationship. And absolutely 100% not to say that parents do, but speaking from my personal experience with some of my friends, when they're telling me that there's a struggle or there's something they can't figure out with their partner, and they just absolutely don't have the time to handle it or to deal with it because there's so many components of their children's life that they're trying to manage simultaneously. And I could 100% understand how you can, you know, you can't just like go off on a couple's retreat to try to like find your issue and solve it and all that. But it's, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just that it's different. So I always say we as child-free people should not only be grateful that we have this time and that we have this freedom, but definitely not feel shame for it. Because when somebody, when a parent tells you, you know, I've had throughout my life, people tell me, oh, oh, what are you going to do? Happy hour, brunch? Like, what are you, is it a massage? You know, what are you getting this weekend? I'm like, actually, yeah, we're going to the spa. (laughs) I'm going to look at it's uh, but you do get a little bit of, you know, these little comments and, and, you know, I thought about it a lot. I'm like, it's, it's okay. And that's what we tell our audience to share your reality. It's, it's just different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Listen, if you are the kind of person who's going to make snidish remarks like that, then y- it means you are not at peace with your life. It means that you haven't accepted your circumstances, right? I mean, how, how could it not meet that, right? You're effectively, you're bitter. So when you're bitter, it means you're not in alignment with the choices you've made in life. And so perhaps this comes full circle to what you were saying about, there's a lot of stories out there that just don't get shared of how people perhaps regret having had kids and living the, or getting married to the person they got married to. That's another taboo subject, right? I, I wish I hadn't, you know, done that. I wish I'd uh, had more relationships, met more people and uh, be more sexual, whatever it is. I think there's a huge responsibility on the individual to, well, I think there's a huge, I think there's a responsibility the individual needs to take for the actions that they make in, in their lives. And the moment we don't take responsibility for it is the moment we start to get jealous, bitter, resentful, all of those terrible human emotions that are very corrosive, not just to your own life, but to the people around you. I mean, and, you know, th- those are what lead to bad decisions. And Yeah, absolutely. And as a child-free woman, I can absolutely see the joy that parents experience, you know, when you see those beautiful, sweet, loving moments that I see with my friends and their kids. And I know I'm not going to get those moments. So it really goes both ways, right? Like it's, there's, there's plus and minuses or there's, there's different experiences you're going to get with one lifestyle and not the other. So it's important to acknowledge that there's a difference. Again, one's not better than the other, but there's going to be some experiences that I will miss as a child-free woman. And there's going to be experiences that a mom will miss as a parent that I'm having. So really, it's just a matter of what's best for each one of us because both are so different. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think it's a blessing to have a child, to be able to have a kid. A lot of out there can't have children. A lot of men can't, you know, that sperm isn't, isn't going to work. So, uh, you know, we forget that easily. I, I think I've made the mistake sometimes of, uh, of, of not being sensitive to people who are childless and, and not really thinking first before I say something. And then you realize that they can't have kids and you're, ah, you're like, oh my God, you know, that was hard to say. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
it's a blessing. So if you're bitter about it, basically what I'm saying is, uh, maybe take a, a, a good think about your situation and, and look at it from a different perspective, you know? Right. And there's many people that will argue that it's absolutely not a blessing for them. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it just depends. That's why we're all so different because some people will look at, you know, a person who has five, six kids, look at their morning, compare it to, to their, you know, one, you know, to their day and look at both and just be so thankful that their day doesn't look like that. So it depends where you, where the blessing is depends up to the person. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think we've done a good job of kind of hashing this out and I've learned a lot, actually. I mean, you've really opened my mind to another way of looking at passing our genes on. Um, have you ever read the book, the, the selfish gene by Richard Dawkins? I haven't. Well, it's an interesting book. I don't think you need to read it, but it's one of those, it's, it's an evolutionary biologist who's kind of explaining the reasons why humans make certain choices and decisions. And it's largely based on passing our genes on. Yeah. Legacy. Yeah. And, and, it, and it helps us understand the motivational forces behind a lot of culture. So I, I recommend that book to people um, if they want to try to understand a little bit more about, uh, you know, this, this whole challenge of just getting around, like why it's such a, uh, an, a, a kind of like an obligatory thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's also interesting. It it's different for, for example, Rick hasn't received a lot of the comments and the pressure and the judgment that I received as a woman. And, and that's generally tends to be the case, but what men do hear quite a bit and what he has heard throughout his life is don't is legacy. Don't you want to leave your name behind your DNA, your, you know, someone who looks like you, someone who, and it's, and it's really interesting how, how that's viewed and how that's questioned. And he's been very open and honest about the fact that it doesn't even cross his mind, never did. And he doesn't feel less than in any way because he's not leaving a little him behind because legacy is really interesting, right? Because there's quite a few child-free people who have passed on and left a really significant legacy. If you think about, I mean, you know, or even people that are alive today, like if you think about Oprah, let's say she doesn't have a child and her legacy is huge. The, the what, how she's changed the world, how, what she's done with her school, do you know what her reason is? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, for her, I think it was, you know, I don't want to say because I can't remember off the top of my mind and I don't want to give wrong information to your audience, but she has always come to me as an example of leaving a legacy behind that's not necessarily your biological child. She wants to leave a, a, a she wants to leave an empire. She wants to. And she's always struck me as that she's that kind of role model that you look to when you're trying to figure out like how can I be successful? That's Oprah. A hundred, a hundred percent. And she's also a great example of someone with her school in Africa who doesn't have her own kids, but has been so impactful in the life of children, which is what I said before. A lot of our audience um, has have are ex- doing exactly just that. So leaving behind a legacy to me doesn't necessarily mean leaving behind a mini me. It means leaving behind, um, it, could, it, it could actually be a variety of things, but I think that opening up to what exactly legacy is, is something also that people don't think about because there's quite a bit of opportunity there. I think the, the, the worry really is that you're not going to live vicariously through your, your offspring, your gene will disappear. When you think about that logically, it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't make a difference, uh, because you're not going to be alive anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, logically speaking, there's so many humans on the planet that you could actually make the argument 
that having your own kid is selfish because you could just adopt. You could have two kids that you adopt and you would alleviate the, um, the orphan problem by two. So, so, you know, having a school, teaching kids, not having children of your own, doing whatever you can to alleviate this issue of like, uh, mm. parentless children around the world and suffering is quite a noble cause that could be a poster child for the whole, I don't want to have kids movement because essentially, you know, you're, you're working on a problem that can't be solved by having more kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think it's interesting when people talk about, um, you know, this topic of legacy is that the assumption is that your child is going to be this really wonderful, functioning, um, emotionally intelligent member of society. <laughs> and I don't think that anyone's going to be surprised to learn that that's not necessarily the case every time. <laughs> so although that's the hope that if you are doing a good job as a parent, obviously that's the hope that you're going to get. But there are no guarantees um, that that is exactly what's going to happen. So whatever your idea of this unborn child that you have in your mind may not necessarily match what the reality is going to be. So it's just, you know, it's a lot to think about. It's quite interesting. It's a huge topic and I feel really, um, I feel really unprepared and uneducated to cover more. Uh, but I've, I've covered a lot of the stuff that I feel, um, I could bring to the table. And I think for anyone who's listening, hopefully they've gotten a good sense of the arguments from both sides. Like, again, I still and why having your own kids is really important and it's just a natural thing for a human being to want. But I now have a newfound understanding. Yeah, right. Right, for, for some. Uh, but I have a newfound respect and empathy for people who don't. And I can uh, thank you for that. So uh, I appreciate it. How, how do people join this community? How do people get in touch with you and yeah, absolutely. So our YouTube channel is A Child Free Connection, youtube.com slash A Child Free Connection. We're also very active on Instagram at The Child Free Connection. Um, but what we're telling people now, because Rick and I are in such development process right now, is to go to our website, thechildfreeconnection.com, and sign up for our Child Free Connection Now alerts, because that's where we're going to be emailing people and letting them know what we're working on, what's coming in the future. And, you know, especially with, you know, Instagram and Facebook going down this week, like that's, that's, it's really crucial that, um, that people sign up so we can keep them in the loop of all the, uh, interesting and exciting projects that we have coming up in the future. Yeah. Did you, you also experienced that then? So that was a huge eye opener for me when, when everything went down, I immediately felt firstly, the first response that I had was withdrawal symptoms. So I was, uh, I was clear that I was an addict. Right. And then the second thing that I realized was, holy shit, I'm relying on these platforms way too much. Mm -hmm. um, so I hear you 100% on that. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. And, you know, maybe we can catch up again in the future as your organization um, grows. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for your openness um, to the topic. And thank you for letting me speak on it. It's really important to me that, that people start seeing both sides. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe today and you won't miss the next episode. We cover topics like recovering from infidelity, online dating, managing chronic anxiety, and so much more. We're on all the popular platforms, so take your pick and we'll see you soon.